Courtney Cronin, Clinton Yates. What's up, Danger? A triple-double, a double-double, and the single-single from the free-throw line. Takeaways from game one. Also, Vegas and Florida. One thing, I'm looking for one thing you guarantee in the Stanley Cup final. Let's go. Guarantee, eh? Step into my Spider-Verse. Seeing it tonight, no spoiler. I asked yesterday's panel who the most important player in these NBA Finals would be. I got a Jimmy Butler response, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, Caleb Martin. Their games yesterday all proved their impact, for better or worse. Nobody said Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm triple-double. I'm going to ask for the takeaway, the adjustments you think Miami needs to make after Denver's 11-point game one win. But first, there was a post-game debate over Miami only going to the free-throw line twice all game. Two free throws for a team for a whole game. That's now the NBA postseason record. No one's ever shot that few. It's the lowest in any NBA game in five years. Surely I can recognize you might think it's important and more important for Miami to hit their three-pointers. But just on that, Clinton Yates, does Miami have beef? The only beef they have, in my opinion, is with themselves regarding that particular factor. Because, look, their shot selection in this game was awful. You saw that in the first half. Early in the shot clock, they were not getting to the rim. And I don't just mean in terms of how they were trying. It was what they were able to do as a result of the Nuggets. So, yes, that discrepancy is a major thing. But it's not even on the medal stand as far as what I think the Heat need to change to get back into this series overall. The Nuggets were bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, and they had more hustle in that matchup at home and it showed they were never in this game the heat and if they're going to have a chance they got to find a way to change at least one of those five things Gordy you raise an eyebrow over (laughs) the record for fewest free throws in a game for Miami last night the free throw discrepancy is something that's glaring but it's not the reason they lost this game you can't shoot 40.6 percent from the field and 33.3 percent from three against the most complete team in the postseason a team that's been rolling up until this point and expect to win. I just take a look at what Miami didn't do. They didn't attack the rim. They didn't really have much action in the uh, in the paint as well. And outside of Bam Adebayo, they've got to find a way to remedy that, recapture some of the magic that they had shooting the basketball in the first three rounds to try to steal one here on the road in game two. Justin Tinsley, how you see it? Yeah, it's no beef. Mm-hmm. Ironically, they're the fifth finals team t- to shoot less than 10 free throws. And they're, and weirdly, those teams are two and three. But you need more than two free throws. I look at Struz, okay. uh, I look at Martin, I look at Robinson. They shot a combined two of 23. That's the game right there. That's the game right there. You have to put pressure on the defense, but you also have to put pressure on the referee, uh, excuse me, referees. And if you're just pulling up for jump, jump shot, you're making the referee's job easier. So going into next game, I expect Eric Spolster to have uh, uh, adjustments on the offensive and defensive end because they have to disrupt Denver, Denver's flow if they have a chance of winning. And this Pablo game. Torre. Yeah, I think they have, like Tony, that really thin sliced shawarma beef maybe because they should have had more than two free throws okay <laughs> like that's that's insane two free throws we can all agree is insane now is it also true that they are not beefy enough to continue to torture this metaphor then the nuggets like yeah they don't have the size don't have the strength they're afraid of going down low all of these things are true too perimeter reliant too mid-range reliant 
But the good news for the Heat is that I guarantee they're going to shoot more than two free throws in the next game. I guarantee it will not be close to this because the referees will also be very aware of how two is, in fact, a little too okay, late. Yeah. Strategically, you could also, I guess, make the argument with the three wasn't falling the way it was. <laughs> they had to go to the rim a little bit more, and they didn't do that. So maybe that's on them. Yeah. I understand. I just wanted to ask because it was a historic number we've never seen before in the NBA Finals or in the NBA postseason. Let's zoom out then. Clinton, your takeaway from game one as you calibrate this series? Not dissimilar to my takeaway from when the Lakers faced, faced the Nuggets, which is this is going to be a lot harder than they thought for the Heat. If the Aaron Gordon experience is taking us over to start the game, and that's the biggest thing from a momentum standpoint, you got to find a way to make sure that Jokic is not getting everybody else involved. Make him score the ball. And I understand that that's a very risky proposition, but it's also better than if everybody else okay. on the team starts to get it cooking before Nikola does. In my so opinion. make Jokic score. That's your strategy if, if you're slow with the heat. All right, well. As opposed to doing everything else, which he definitely did yeah. last night. Pablo, too. you. Yeah, I mean, Jokic did have this sort of point he wanted to prove early on where he didn't shoot at all, and then he wound up with 27 points in the end. And so I think he's scoring. And, and the question for me is, how do you possibly slow down an offense with him as the orchestrator that – it looks like one of the greatest offenses we have seen in the postseason, Tony. Like, the run that this team is on is something that is incredible. They look like a true one seed. And so, do you stop that somehow with Bam Adebayo even giving you the best game of his postseason career? That's the big question. I don't see an answer right now. Pablo, you're in love with this offense. Do you know what they shot from three-point range last night, Denver? <laughs> I know. They were worse than the Heat somehow. They were. Under 30%. That doesn't happen and you win a game as easily as they did. Justin Sinsley, Correct. I'll bring you in. That's how good they are. I'm just very glad that Jokic is having this stage. You know, we're looking at, at a big man who has the best court vision of all time. I, I feel confident saying that right now. And with Joker, you got to take away his points or his assists. He cannot have both. Last night, he had 27 points on 12 shots and shot 75% from the field. And guess what? He, he offered up 14 assists, man. Like, nobody can beat this team when they're playing like this, and especially when you're not attacking the basket on, def on defense or on offense as the Heat were. So, I, I – Your takeaway is take it's over. It sounds like that's what you're no, about no, to it's say. Not, it's not, it's, no, 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 full no, Woody not Page with me. He no, picked the sweep. No, no, He's I'm not going full right Woody now. Page. No, okay. no, 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 I'm not doing that. It's not over, but they have to make adjustments right now because Joker is that hard – he's that hard to plan for. But, again – I'm very happy he's getting this stage to show he is a okay, mega. But I'm looking for adjustments. That's what I want to hear. You're Eric Spolstra, Courtney Cronin. What is the adjustment you make after game one? Well, it's hard because the Nuggets have been adjusting within themselves. Look at what happened. You brought up the three-point discrepancy and how they were, like, uncharacteristically not very good from mm -hmm. deep last yeah. night. Well, what did they do? They scored 46 points in the paint, and they made 61.5% of their two-point attempts. They're a very difficult team to game plan for. The caveat here, though, if you want some more offense from Miami, they might be getting Tyler Hero back for game two. That's your second leading scorer. You don't really get a whole lot from him on the defensive end. Defense has been their identity. So they've got their work cut out for them. Mm -hmm. It is hard. I'm glad you acknowledge that. We do it because it's hard, I believe, has been said before. Clinton Yates, game two Sunday. Who you got? 
Got to take the Nugs, man. I just feel that the, you know, that town has been ready for this. This team is as prepared. Michael Malone, I've said this all the time, he's got the best combination of talent and leadership that was left in the playoffs when the Final Four happened. It showed yesterday. Courtney Cronin. I have the Nuggets in game two. Miami will not win a game until they go back home. Tinsley. I'm not counting this Heat team out yet. I think they make the, the proper adjustments and they go back to Miami Tower 1-1. And Pablo Torre. Yeah, the Nuggets are playing on easy mode right now, so give me them until further notice. Mm-hmm. All right, Tinsley, you're on an island here. And you say they'll make adjustments, but you're not volunteering any adjustments. I, I know that. We'll move on. Do you want me- <laughs> Adam Silver last night made some news, and he said that the NBA has additional information on John Morant, but he does not want to make an announcement during the NBA Finals because that would distract from the NBA Finals. You can imagine what type of response him just saying that had. Whether it distracted or attracted more attention, I'll let you say the words, Pablo. How do you interpret it from the league commissioner? It was an inevitable distraction to even acknowledge the fact that there is a seriousness that is so serious that it cannot be disclosed at the moment, right? What's in the box? That is the question that everybody's wondering when it comes to this punishment. But, Tony, I'll note two other phrases that Adam Silver used as well. He said that he's been working with the NBA Players Association, they're working in lockstep to agree to not do this now. So everybody seems to be aware on back channels that this is going to be a real thing. The second thing that Adam Silver said that I thought was notable is that he is not yet sure what it's going to take to change John Morant's behavior. And all of this adds up to one of those suspensions that might be unprecedented, certainly given the particular confluence of factors here. And he is priming us to expect it when it drops. When Yates, how'd you hear Adam Silver? I didn't particularly like the tone. I didn't particularly like the timing for a couple different reasons. Number one, if you don't want to talk about it, then don't talk about it. You can just say, we're not going to discuss it. But to then throw out a storyline that is going to force people into conjecture mode for what seems to just be the purpose of the cruelty of making people sweat while you figure it out, I don't understand that. And secondarily, to your point, Pablo, whether or not Ja can change his behavior, again, I caution people to understand. This is a young man living under a ton of pressure in his position in Memphis, Tennessee, a place where they eat their own. I am still as concerned for John Morant's actual life and mental health as I am concerned about whether or not he gets X, Y, or Z punishment from the league. I need to feel that this league cares about Ja as much as they want to punish him to make an example of him, and I didn't get that vibe from Adam Silver yesterday. Hmm. Courtney Cronin. I think the NBA wants to make John Morant sweat this thing out. This incident was uncovered on Mother's Day. That was weeks ago. If there was, you know, there's there's been a lot of time for them to come down and levy a punishment. But the fact that Adam Silver wants to come out now and say, well, we know more information. We're not trying to overshadow the NBA finals. You're doing exactly that. And you're making John Morant sit this thing out for another couple of weeks. I think the NBA is calculated in this and wanting to give us a little bit of a tease here. Oh, we know more things that are coming that are that are that have come out throughout this. We want to let you guys wait this thing out. It's already overshadowing the NBA Finals. If this was a slap on the wrist, he would have already been punished. I think this could very well mean it's a 40-plus game mm-hmm. suspension for John Morant coming. When you say give you a tease, you're not – I mean, we've all heard the expression all publicity is good publicity, but this isn't good publicity for the league. It's not good publicity, but it's a storyline, and I don't think I'm out of pocket for suggesting that the NBA is going that direction because if they didn't want to make a circus out of this thing, they could have come out and already said what the suspension is. Justin Sinsley, I want your view on that specifically and then Adam Silver's comment. I mean, I don't don't put anything past anybody. I've I've learned that in life. I, I think this is horrible timing by the league. 
that they, they could have easily said, oh, we're still investigating this and we'll render a verdict after the NBA Finals. Now the heat and the target is on John Moran's back more than it was before somehow. But with Ja, uh, with J, excuse me, with Ja, I think about this situation. I think about uh, about an interview that Carmelo did a couple of years ago on, uh, on the Million Dollars Worth of Game podcast, and he talked about his own suspension back in '06. He said, "That's how I knew the league was the Feds. They knew where I was sleeping. They knew who my friends were. Uh, uh, they knew the activities they were getting in." So when I hear additional information, I have no doubt that the league did a social media sweep to find out things that we don't even know. And I feel bad for John Morant. I, I support John Morant, but this is not looking good for him moving forward. Lineage 17, Courtney Cronin 12, Justin Tinsley 9, Pablo Torre 14. Love the glasses today, Pablo. Very Clark Kent of you. I hadn't noticed. Huh. <laughs> Around the Horn is presented by Corona. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the seaport. Brought to you by Chase. Another head coaching job in the NBA filling up today. News of the day from the Phoenix Suns. It will be Frank Vogel as head coach. Clinton, is Vogel the right person to inherit this team? I think he's the right person from a defensive standpoint to turn that team around. I think he's the right person from a star's leadership standpoint as well to turn that team around. He did it in the bubble with Los Angeles. But I also remember how people felt about that guy when he got brought on, which was not very inspiring overall, which may be unfair. But when you think about the guy that they got rid of, one of the best guys in the league who just got a boatload of money for somebody else to trust him, it's going to be a difficult sell, I think, for a lot of Suns fans. I think they're going to the chip. So you're buying it, but you're selling how it's going to be received by Suns fans? Is that what you're saying? Interesting. Correct. Just like here in Los Angeles. Courtney Cronin, Vogel for Phoenix, mm -hmm. by herself. Hmm. I think we've learned that Matt Ishbia, the Suns owner, has a pretty heavy hand in basketball operations. They haven't 
exactly made like the most obvious hire here, which would have been Mike Budenholzer, Arizona native. They really took their time to find Frank Vogel, and his defensive prowess is what stands out. He's coached a top three defense five times, the league's top defense three times, and he's not starting over from scratch. For as much uh, as we know the Suns is like an offense-heavy team and they score a lot of points, they did have a top seven defense in each of the last three seasons. Mm -hmm. But it's a new team once they brought in Kevin Durant at the end of this year. Justin Tinsley, buy or sell Frank Vogel for Phoenix. I'll buy it, but the Suns only have seven players on the contract, and their top four players take up 90% of the cap. So it's a good hire, but the Suns still have a long way to go before I can call them like a top three or four title contender going into next season. They got to fill the roster out, and I don't know how they're going to do it. A long way to go. So there, was, there were people yeah. on this year's show who said, Phoenix was going to be Denver three weeks ago. What are you talking We're about? wrong quite often, aren't we? Yeah, yes, <laughs> you're wrong not wrong about often. that. But Pablo they Torre, their I thought Phoenix on. was in a win or bust situation. It was, it, was, it, was, it was that, and now they bring in Frank Vogel. Right. I really appreciate Justin being preemptively wrong, getting ahead of the curve, <laughs> because if you have Kevin Durant <laughs> and Devin Booker, yeah, you're going to be a top four level contender in any conference you play in. But Tony, I would just like to take this time to make like Doc Rivers and also announce that I too have withdrawn my candidacy for this job. I just want to make clear, I'm also not interested in getting this job. Is it? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm wrong. Be interested in getting the FaceTime today. It doesn't seem like that's your focus right now. We'll move on. Buy or sell two. Stanley Cup. Here's our preview extravaganza, and here are some numbers via Stanley to win Vegas, 56.7 percent. Florida. 43.3%. Vegas had the fourth best record in the league this season. Florida, how good have they been in the postseason? Here's how. They haven't played in a week and a half. That's how quick they disposed of the East. Courtney, buy or sell Vegas is favorite. I'm buying it. They are the highest scoring team through three rounds of the postseason. They've scored 62 goals in 17 games. That's pretty good. They also have defensive forwards who can score like second line players. And remember that Aiden Hill, their goalie, he came in in relief of, due to an injury. He hadn't had a playoff start on his resume before the month of May. He's 7-3 and three entering this series. You can see why everybody likes them the most. Justin Tinsley, you agree with Corny? Vegas favorite here? Yeah, I'll buy it because of their body of work, but I think Florida might just be the hotter team. We know Bobrovsky and, excuse me, Kachuk, they're stars in their own role, but nobody's talking about this. Since the start of the second round, Florida has had the best penalty kill rate in, in the playoffs, and I think that's going to play a huge role in this series. Pablo Torre. Yeah, I buy the Panthers because they're 11-1 in their last 12 games, and it's not just that they've been on a good run. They've been playing in this postseason the greatest aggregate point total in terms of their opponents in the history of this postseason. And so the degree of difficulty has been really high, and they have aced every test after. So you think that means Florida should be favored. Vegas right now is the yes. favorite, Clinton Yates. You buy or sell that? I'm buying it. People forget because the Panthers knocked off the Bruins that the Knights were busy hammering the Jets in the first round. So they got a long time off. They've been cruising for a decent amount of this playoffs. And it's not just the amount of goals scored. It's the number of goal scorers they have. They have 16 in the postseason, which is the most in the league. And if you look at the last five champions of the Stanley Cup, guess who's got the, the trophies? All the guys who have the most scores. Okay, all right. I, I follow what you're saying, but you're, you're giving Vegas a lot of credit for beating the Jets when in their matchup in the first round, um, Florida beat the greatest regular season time team in the history of the sport in Boston. Okay, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Pablo. You, you seem to be a different Pablo once you put on the glasses. 
very contemplative right now, Tony. Don't know what it is. Just mm -hmm. thanks for your time. Clinton Yates, Cordy Cronin. Showdown next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Yates, Gordy Cronin, good luck in showdown. A question two months into the baseball season. Are pitchers struggling with the pitch clock? Let's check in with Max Scherzer. Why do we have to be so anal about this to have the clock up everybody's face, shoving in everybody's face and try to stop out every little single second? The umpires are frustrated, as we are, that the game's not normal, that we're just living and dying by the clock. Clinton, Courtney, debate. Does Scherzer have a point? No, this guy has been bellyaching about things all season. The whole point of changing the rules is so that we can adjust to make the product better. Everybody else has figured this out. Eight pitches, two minutes. Get it done, Playboy. You've been in the league forever. Courtney. He was complaining that he didn't get his eight normal warm-up pitches and said that umpires should be able to use their discretion to allow that to happen. Careful. Allowing umpires to have discretion might ha lead them to be like, oh, your hands are too sticky. We've been down this road. Okay, so you're both selling the idea that Max Scherzer can complain about the pitch clock at this point. We'll move on. Here's a headline. PGA or J.B. Holmes caught as a ringer in a $30,000 golf tournament. Listen to this story now. J.B. Holmes, hello, he's won five times on the PGA Tour entered into a midweek Calcutta at a course in Tennessee under his first and middle name, John Bradley. Organizers initially didn't know who John Bradley was, didn't recognize him as J.B. Holmes, Googled the handicap of a guy named John Bradley, and let him rip. When he was out there swinging like a pro, people began to notice. When they did, Holmes was a little sheepish in deciding if he wanted to admit who he was. And then organizers said his team can't win the money but they did give them the trophy when they had the best score. Cordy, is this fun or did J.B. Holmes do something wrong here? If you play golf long enough, you're going to find somebody trying to sandbag the rules of a member guest scramble. And there's $30,000 on the line here. He absolutely knew that he was doing something he shouldn't. This is foul. Then Yates. I didn't know what a Calcutta was before yesterday, and I'm glad to know now. More people crashing country club events, but next time, go Bobby Valentine style. Wear a little mustache and some sunglasses and act like people don't know who you are. <laughs> Clinton Yates, 30 seconds of FaceTime. Today is Lou Gehrig Day in Major League Baseball, and I want to take this time to shout out my friend Sarah Langs. She is a researcher for MLB who used to work with us here at ESPN, who has been living with ALS for a couple of years now. And overall, she is trying to make money by selling her shirts that say one thing that is her tagline that I love so much, which is baseball is the best. She shouts out all sorts of wholesome moments that happen around the league, but I want to say something to you, Sarah. Not just baseball is the best, you are the best. We're glad to have you all over this game. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Thank you, Evan. Clinton Yates. 71 half hour break. See you Monday.